Hello and welcome to this podcast series from CityWire in association with Columbia Fred Newtall Investments. My name is Amy Maxwell, I'm the Managing Editor of CityWire Engage and I'll be your host for this series on Responsible Investing. For this second episode, I'll be joined by Richard Colwell and Michael Hamblett, who serve as Columbia Fred Needles Head of UK Equities and Responsible Investing Analysts, respectively, as well as Patrick Thomas, Head of ESG Investments at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. Today, we're going to hear from this expert panel on why the UK is not only a fantastic market for incorporating ESG, but also a superb hunting ground for active management. We'll also be taking a closer look at what goes into a corporate engagement, learning more about interpreting non-financial data and the behavioural changes this can initiate. From deep engagement to deep discounts, today's guests will showcase how doing the right thing by staff and shareholders can create long-term value and truly impact change. So welcome Richard, Michael and Patrick. Thank you all for joining me today. Let's start with... um, the UK market as a whole, which has been pretty unloved and undervalued for some years now. Richard, how do you see this changing? And maybe give us some context of of what led to this pretty um, acute um, valuation disconnect. Well, I do feel a bit boy cried wolf because uh, uh, I I would have, uh, you know, sort of made made the case for UK equities quite impassioned pre-COVID. And as you've alluded to, the COVID crisis saw UK equities uh, get hit harder still relative to other developed markets. So what, what caused all of this? Well, it's always push and pull and the opportunity cost, I guess, in a world of uh, very low interest rates uh, and the desire for growth and vision meant investors were attracted away from UK equities. Brexit almost felt like the the final straw that was broken. And there was quite a lot of uh, emotion, I think, about the perception of UK equities. But I think you've got to take a step back and say, well, trends tend to overshoot on the way up and on the way down. So although as you've alluded to, it's been a long period where UK equities relative have struggled in a buoyant global equity market. That creates a fantastic opportunity, really, because of the valuation cushion that you've got now. And that is that second derivative. The uh, uh, You don't need things to go brilliantly, just less bad. And it's that opportunity cost if on the other side, other markets are looking expensive, so we all have to ask ourselves, well, if they see the opportunity, why why would you want to run away from that? And do we think that potential is being reflected in the M&A that's going on at the moment? Because it, there is a, a staggering amount of um, M&A. We're losing companies nearly at a daily rate. So what is your take on that, Richard, and, and, and the signals this M&A activity sends? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a consequence of a, a lot of different things, but predominantly it's that you've got availability of very, very cheap debt uh, and you've got a, a huge um, firepower uh, of funds raised by private equity, but also the big credit funds as well. And so that's the, the proactive aspect of what we're trying to do. It's not just about squeezing out the best price if there is a competing bid situation, you know, it's work before then being proactive 
with non-execs as well as the executives as well as their advisors. So it's, it's quite a business consultant role as well you've been taking on. We really want to be uh, taking the baton on from the K report and and that that you know sort of as owners of businesses, uh, we're. We're competing uh, with a lot of um, uh, fund managers who are much more tradey. Uh, they're trying to nip and tuck, uh, trying to f- predict where the ten-year yield curve is going to go. Um, you know, that's not that's not where we've got any value add. Uh, where we hope to add add value to our clients is as owners of businesses being fully engaged with the management. If we feel that needs to be changes in management that's something we'll we'll be involved in and through the investor forum with fellow shareholders so that's the kind of work we do you know that you were very impassioned about it we almost feel like we're a minority sport really because there's huge amounts of money being run by passives or by quant funds Uh, and as i say we're not just a sort of nip and tuck trading house you know we are owners of businesses and therefore you know we're prepared to lock away uh, shares in, in companies where we have meaningful stakes. And that gives us an edge, we feel, in engagement with potential activists, with the board, with their advisors. Yeah, as Richard said, it's not just managements that we're speaking to. It's the board members, it's the directors, it's the chairman, it's the senior independent director. And as you mentioned, with things like the investor forum and the collaborative approach, it's other industry participants as well as other shareholders for if we see you know a valuation that we want to that we think is attractive we want to do everything we can as active investors to really realize that value for shareholders what do you think makes the uk a good market michael for incorporating esg so some of those conversations that you've been having what are some of the other unique characteristics in this market that that make um the the sorry the um, company owners more um, attuned to this yeah. type of advice? Well, I think coming from the perspective of, um, of of working in the team and working in the UK equity space, um, I think companies are very open. Um, the engagement opportunity is always there. Obviously, it helps when we've got large stakes of companies, but the reporting is clear, the disclosures are good. And, you know, as I mentioned, it's not just management that we're speaking to and have access to. It's the chairman, it's the board directors, it's also the people from within the business. And increasingly over the last couple of years, it's the it's the heads of sustainability who are appointed within the company to, you know, be the figurehead within to talk to shareholders about the issues that I suppose for a long time we've been speaking to companies about. For us, we don't think the whole you know the wave and interest in ESG is a new thing it's part and parcel of you know strong corporate governance which the UK market offers through things like the stewardship code which I suppose is reflected around the world with other countries taking their cues from updates to that Um, and I said as I said it's the you know the openness with which companies engage and likewise it's not everywhere that you get um, people from within businesses willing to speak to you and we think from an information perspective and information gathering, it forms a crucial part of our analysis and due diligence with our investments. And then, you know, as Richard mentioned, if the time comes when we think something is going amiss or a strategy is misfiring, um, it gives us avenues for escalation as well through the board or through the investor forum collaboratively as well to affect some change. And how much do you think scale um, plays a part in that? 
in terms of how how much impact you can have is is it because you're a, a sizable asset manager that you can get further ahead with these with some of these issues do you think yeah i mean it, it does help doesn't it if we're a significant owner of a business then you know it's incumbent on the board to be having these open conversations with us but there are other avenues for smaller shareholders like the investor forum which i've mentioned a couple of times but there are avenues for other shareholders but yes of course the scale and having significant stakes does um does help if affecting change is the aim, uh, aim of the game okay and patrick in your role you're head of esg funds so you're speaking to lots of asset managers who all have um, similar objectives but maybe different methodologies so do you want to talk to me a little bit about what you look for um in an asset manager's process and how they engage with um, uk companies we're kind of looking for two different types of um approach ideally both so we're looking for someone with the kind of expertise and process to really assess ESG risk in the underlying companies that they're buying. Um, and we're also looking, um, we, we do see climate transition and kind of economic growth working for more people as being met, um, major kind of investment themes that are going to drive markets over the next decade. So we're looking for managers that have got a process of picking out those Kind of future winners from those themes as well. Richard, over to you. So how do you process all of this data, a lot of which now is, is, is non-financial data? A lot. Of, it's not just uh, uh, our industry, but that, you, you know, it's sort of wood for the trees, isn't it? That uh, we all have access to a huge amount of data um, and what's relevant, what, what will improve investor returns, and benefit wider stakeholders um, and you know we're wary of just being sort of a dumbed down quant shop that's not what we're doing anybody can set up an ESG screen uh, and say you know we've captured whether a company is a goodie or a baddie and it's much more nuanced than that so it's the legwork really about you get that raw data you try and filter it and that hopefully is the beginning of the conversations and engagements with a business to understand why on the face of it they're being red flagged for a particular issue. And is it that the data feeds are wrong? Um, and therefore, can you iterate, you know, uh, iterate your process to improve those data feeds and just distill what is the real meaningful uh, factors? That's, you know, that's sort of... Um, you know, it's a fourth bridge approach is you're always trying to improve that. But it, as I say, it can't just be about just data. Uh, it, it is how you use that data. And I think there is no silver bullet when it comes to ESG data and integrating it into an investment process from a data standpoint is difficult. And I think anybody that says it's easy is not telling the truth. I think you really can't substitute in this space, the bottom-up work, the looking at the material ESG risks as they um, are for each and every company, because each and every company is different. So you need to look at each one in a different way. And you know, on the opportunity side as well, it's important to understand thoroughly the impact that a company is having through its products and services on the wider world. Um, and you know, as conversations with investors become more sophisticated, and even in the, the time period that I've been at Columbia Threadneedle over the last six or so years, the, the conversations that we're having with companies have gone from being, you know, um, 
from specifically devoted with the experts from within the business to CEOs and chair people, um, you know, actively wanting to speak about this kind of thing. And that's a function of the um, that's a function of the interest that this is having in the marketplace. And I think it's very, very good to see. And it helps us as we integrate in our investment process to be able to to be able to have these conversations and to make our own judgment beyond what data is telling us. Um, and, you know, it's the analyst's job to figure out what's material and what isn't material for each individual business. And it's up to portfolio managers to, you know, make of that what they will and size positions accordingly. Let's now move on to some concrete action, perhaps, Richard, that you're seeing within the portfolio of companies really trying to improve their sustainable credentials. Are you seeing lots of movement there and lots of sort of changes in behaviour within the companies that you speak to? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in a way more Im important uh, is that um, there's lots of companies um, which might, in Patrick's phraseology, be known as old economy companies. Mm -hmm. And so the knee-jerk response of the fast money is that they're a baddie company, uh, that they're involved in, you know, diesel auto uh, industry, etc. But actually, are they investing those cash flows effectively uh, to future-proof the business and pivot it in a way where it can address, you know, uh, a carbon zero world? Um, and, you know, that's the challenge for the business and there's uncertainty. Um, but that's more exciting to us, really, in trying to understand and work with those companies. Uh, are they allocating capital effectively? How are they judging the returns that they could could make from this uh, new world investment? Um, and therefore, how could they improve the valuation, uh, the optionality uh, in, uh, of the business? So I think a lot of businesses are very sincere and are very passionate about explaining to the wider market a lot of what they're up to um, and that the perception of a business quite often lags reality um, and just because you're pigeonholed as old economy engineer etc doesn't mean to say you're not a force for good and that you will evolve as a business has done if it's been around for a previous hundred years. I suppose it's, it, it's leveraging that intellectual capital which it had already to build a successful business and turn it into something which is appropriate yeah. for a changing world. Um, I imagine that's quite an exciting kind of op opportunity when, when you, you're in touch with those um, company leaders who are unveiling kind of information such as that. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, huge amounts of uh, intellectual property in UK industry. It, within the quoted market. And, um, you know, we're as active investors, we're not hamstrung by the index and the biggest constituents. We're trying to construct portfolios which differentiate us from the index uh, and our, our peers that, that we're competing against. So we think there's a, a good opportunity set of companies, even if, uh, as is well articulated in, in the quoted market, there's not huge amounts of technology uh, businesses, you know, um, but within lots of different industries, there is a huge amount of IP that you know we c we c can invest in, and and it's those companies as well in in 
you know, the, the index that's characterizes old economy, those ones that are transitioning, becoming greener, and producing the solutions for other companies to become greener. And they're the ones that are going to be, you know, the leaders of the future. And that's where we devote a lot of our time to look at these companies and where we think they're going to be going. And, you know, engagement is absolutely key to that, to understanding the underlying business. Patrick, I'm going to head back to you because uh, we, you opened with the, the terminology old economy. So, um, the fund managers here have, have mentioned that a key part of finding potential in this market is, is actually the differentiation from the index. Um, how comfortable are, are you as an investor and are your clients in that kind of story? Ultimately, the part of the problem, I think, with active management over the past kind of decade is there are probably too few managers um, producing meaningfully different portfolios to their benchmarks. Ultimately, you can count um, on a relatively um, smaller num smallish number of, ma of managers that are prepared to kind of swing the bed a bit um, uh, and invest with more conviction. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I mean, I think um, there's probably a different expectation on kind of fund managers. Um, I think managers that um, think a bit more long term and think very differently to their index um, and um, more importantly, kind of do that with discipline and consistency um, are going to kind of differentiate themselves a lot over the next um, five years or so. To end on, I mean, that that essentially is the importance of, of active management right now. You have to differentiate yourself from all of the passives and from your competitors. So why do you think, Richard, is the UK a good market now for active management? Well, and usually in a global market where, as I say, you've seen high levels of speculation and the median valuation is very high, uh, the UK is a standout anomaly um, for for reasons we've, we've discussed in terms of Brexit, uh, index constituents, etc., um, and the desire for growth and vision, regardless of valuation elsewhere. So, so that means as an active investor, um, we think we're hunting in a very attractive pool, namely UK equities. And, and that is why activists and private equity are very, you know, uh, very much uh, involved in, in, in looking for opportunities in the UK as well. So, uh, and I think the, the, the history on the legal side, um, on the listing requirements, um, on the disclosure requirements, uh, on the code, that, you know, it, you know, we're all reading the papers today about what's going on in, in China. Um, that's a reminder that is risk as well as return. And in a world where the Fed has sort of called into question anybody looking at moral hazard, <laughs> at some point that will come back to, to bite you. And that, um, you know, ESG should not be seen as some kind of excuse to ignore valuation and just go tracing growth and vision and concepts. It's about, it's about accountability for all stakeholders, but that doesn't mean to say returns is a dirty world, it isn't. You know, ESG strategies seem to have had a higher return because they've excluded some of the industries, the old economy industries we've talked about, whereas I think the, the, the broader definition of bad externalities 
should include things beyond just uh, uh, emissions from chimneys, but also look at mental health, what have you. So some of the biggest drivers of ESG uh, ETFs, etc., have been the big tech companies. And again, arguably, that's an area of vulnerability going forward or something that needs to have more accountability for. So um, you don't have that problem to worry about in the UK equities. Right. Another positive to end on. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining me today. Thank you for all your insights. Thank you. Thank you.